five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA, or it could be the World Dominant Marketing Association. Let's get over to the, uh, we're going to talk about spec savers. And so for some reason, this doesn't slide back. And here we go. This is funny. Dad, have you seen the boat keys? Nope. There they go, to the bottom of the ocean. Should be there somewhere. I could stay out here forever. And what's funny is, I could stay out here forever, and then there's a thunderstorm coming. I could stay out here forever. Yeah, you're going to. And uh, we'll talk about that a little more. We'll get over to the article that goes along with it. Okay. And uh, so Specsavers is a, apparently a UK company, and they do some humorous, should have gone to Specsavers, uh, humorous situations where someone could have used a little more clarity in their vision. And uh, so this is the first time going to Canada. And uh, they're, so they're, they're launching in Canada, apparently. And um, with TV, out-of-home digital, and radio ads, the multi-channel campaign brings the 20-year-old strapline to a new continent with a distinctively Canadian flavor, uh, bringing the familiar sight of a humorous vision failure against the backdrop of nature at its finest. Um, now, of course, if you know, if you've ever been fishing, <laughs> or if you ever owned a boat, you know, there's a lot of problems with this. You know, this is a, this is one of the problems with ad people, the creative people, not having any experience in this realm and thinking they can do a, a genuine commercial and fool the Canadians, right? Because first of all, you know, I've owned, I don't know what, probably 17 boats. <laughs> and we never took the keys out of the ignition, not in winter, not in summer, not uh, certainly not when we're out on the lake. And even if we did, which we never did, never, we had a little keychain thing with a little foam float so that if for some reason someone did take it out and did drop it overboard, we it would float. The little floaty would keep them up. Okay. Also, if you, if you're, a bit far-sighted and you need reading glasses. I counted six pairs of reading glasses besides these right here within arm's reach in case I need them in an emergency. In case for some reason the ones I use for my filming aren't there. And when I fish, I especially fly, like to fly fish, I have glasses that are attached with a, with a little zippy thing, a little retractable thing. I have them on my fishing garment my fishing vest why because if you're going to tie on baits and lures you have to see real close to get to tie a little tiny knot so no matter how inept or blind i mean the more blind the more likely this guy is to have some glasses in his pocket and it wasn't like he tied on the 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 the, the keys and that's another thing the fourth thing is how were those attached <laughs> Did he just hook them by accident or what? 
So there's at least four things wrong with this uh, creatively. But besides that, that's funny. I laughed when I watched it because, you know, you do drop things overboard. You're more likely to drop your phone. Uh, I remember dropping a phone in the lake and watching it descend down and then lose signal and then go. <laughs> then go <laughs> I liked how it lost signal after it was down about four feet. Uh, okay, so these spots called for Richard James, which we'll reach out to, of course, and give him my comments, but it's too late now. You should have sent it over here. Happy to review your work. <laughs> these spots call for sophistication in execution. <laughs> Tonally and visually maintaining a level of restraint, nothing in the filmmaking overtly alludes to comedy. Okay, well, it also doesn't allude to reality very much. But all that aside, they'll probably get, you know, plenty of views and plenty of plenty of visits to their website or whatever, right? Okay, so let's get over here to this one. Uh, Louis DeJoy, and I don't know if that's Louis or Louis. Um, I don't know him personally, but he's calling for dramatic change. And there he is in front of a huge audience at the National Postal Forum. Thank you for, for that, Ashley Roberts. I hope they cover each day like they did yesterday. This was yesterday's session. Um, DeJoy described the need for systematic ch change across the USPS, and he didn't mince words. He spoke candidly about the organization's struggles, downfalls during the past 15 years and described a bright future with a series of changes to the USPS with a comprehensive redesign of the organization and practices. DeJoy gave attendees a look at some of the plans and strategies the organization has implemented since the release of Delivering for America plan. Uh, DeJoy recalled June of 2020 when he joined the organization and described the conditions inside the organization as unimaginable. We were projected to lose $20 billion that year and run out of cash in 50 days now so yeah so you know i've been in direct marketing with direct mail for mm -mm -mm, 40 years when working with the u.s postal service and uh before that did some mailings and some other stuff also but i you know i used to tell people you could do a catalog for 50 cents in the mail and um and I had one deluxe check called me out on that and said, you know, well, ours is costing us a buck fifty, and why? And it, it turned out they were doing it with a, an agency that wasn't really familiar with catalogs, and their pagination was off whack. And so, you know, they threw it, kind of threw it at me across the desk and said, what would you do differently here? And I said, well, is there a reason that this bind-in insert is on page Two, between page two and three, could it be on four and five? They said, sure. Could it be on seven and eight? They said, it can be anywhere we want. Okay, okay, okay. So I said, why don't you ask the your printer, call them up and say, why is this, why is this insert, why couldn't this insert be between page uh, seven and eight and, uh, or something like that? And you could do an eight-page signature, then you could do the insert, then you could do a 16-page signature if they have the right presses, instead of, you know, a four, insert, four, 
eight, eight, whatever it was. And just not even rearranging the pages, just printing them different. A good printer will tell you that stuff. But anyway, I had sold printing before I was a, a consultant. And uh, so they called them up and they said, well, that'll save us $160,000 this year. It's one of those $5,000 projects that, that came out pretty well. Um, but, you know, my, my, one of my latest clients was figured in the mail, all costs built in about 67 cents. And so this is like 40 years later. And in spite of the fact that, yes, postage has continued to go up, so has paper, so has printing. And this was before the pandemic. So prices have no doubt gone up since. But, you know, I gave a talk in 2018. I gave a keynote to the sales force of the USPS and I commended him. I said, you know, the in the mail cost is so little unchanged. And this was a beautiful catalog. It wasn't it wasn't, uh, you know, minimal at all. It was, I think, 80 pages and uh, beautiful print, everything top notch. And so I commended the Postal Service for, for doing as well as they have. And, you know, a lot of people like to beat them up. I'm probably one of the biggest fans of USPS. Um, but, they, you know, so they've been investing in their facilities. They're reclaiming their voice. Um, I'm not sure how that works itself out. Uh, they talk a lot about informed delivery, which is the next section. Tom Foti, who's connect, a connection of mine, uh, talked about direct mail in a digital world, and this was really shocking and, and good. He said that direct mail advertising is supposed to grow from $41.7 billion in 2022 to $43.1 in 2023, which is, you know, 4% or something, and 43.7 in 2026, okay, so maybe 5%. And... Um, the reason, he explained, is because mail is holding steady when compared to other advertising channels. That's true. A lot of channels are declining. And so if we can get that budget, and we can get the budget, Andrew Ettinger has proven that you can capture digital budgets, which can be huge. Uh, people just have gone along with Google and pay-per-click. And uh, I was talking with a not very large catalog a couple of months ago, two months ago, and they were spending like a half a million dollars a month. And they were complaining about doing a few hundred thousand catalogs. You know, and and the cost per per real impression is probably lower in mail. You know, when you when you calculate out on cost per click the bounce rate, you're talking about a fifty percent at least bounce rate. Okay, so that means once you get them to your website, they don't click on another link at all and leave what good is that right okay so let's say you're you're spending two dollars per click that goes to four dollars per click and once you get past the bounce rate the other half that's left has about a two percent one or two percent response rate that they'll click now some of those will already be your customers right it's not necessarily brand new customers so maybe half of those. So your acquisition cost, just the ad cost alone, is going to be like eight dollars per. I mean eight. It's gonna it's gonna be eight dollars per visitor. That's a prospect. 
Well, cataloging, you can rent lists and put it in the mail for a dollar, for sure. So pay-per-click can be eight times more expensive. Plus, you know, you're reinforcing Google. You're paying twice for that, probably, because you're probably paying something to drive them to that click. And then they don't want to look up your URL, and so they type it in, right? So you're paying quadruple in digital, in case you haven't figured that out. Uh, for that prospect to get to your site and buy and with the same kind of response rate as if you rented lists and put it in the mail. And we can help you figure this out if you want to. But anyway, so uh, Sharon Keys talked about personalization, which everybody talks about, but, you know, it's not it's not rifle precision. It's at best shotgun precision. And retargeting by mail, a lot of people like it. It works if you are spending an enormous amount of money to drive traffic to your web website. Because for every 100,000 or so, and I've, I've gone over this, I don't know, a dozen times at least with different retargeting merchants. Uh, if you want to retarget by mail, it's about 5% of that is going to be mailable. Okay, so you got to generate... To get, get 50,000 pieces in those people's hands, you got to generate, uh, what, 10 million? 10 million, right? Something like that. No, 100,000 would be 5,000, and a million would be 50,000. So, But a million visits is, you know, for most small companies, is quite a bit. And it, 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 uh, at $2 a pop, that would be, you know, 2 million, 2 million just on pay-per-click. So, anyway. It can be done. Uh, Gary Reblin talked about the explosion of informed delivery. I signed up for it very early on. Um, I never look at it, literally never. Um, I did every couple months I'll look at it. I might look at it today just to confirm that that almost none of the advertisers are putting in clickable four-color offers. Should we look now? Nah. We could, I could, but chances of it working well is like slim to none. Um, my daughter, the style consultant, who's uh, when I explained to her informed delivery, she said that uh, she said that oh, so now I can get an email that shows me I don't have to look at my mail. And so and the way she used it was she doesn't have to go to the mailbox if it's only junk mail. And so unless it shows something that's important to her, she doesn't have to pick up the mail. And if she picks up the mail, she can throw it right in the trash without another look. I think the Postal Service has really undermined their own greatest benefit, that you have to look through your mail. You don't have to anymore. You can use informed delivery to bypass the tactical adventure of going through your mail. Think about that when you want to regain your voice. I'm not saying you should drop it. I just wish you wouldn't brag about it so much. Okay? Uh, they're going to put in 450 parcel lockers in 10 markets. You know, 45 parcel lockers spread across in, in each city. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, it doesn't seem like it's uh, going to, you know. <laughs> if there's 10 in L.A., how close is it going to be to you? Probably not much. Anyway, again, I don't know why they're bragging about that. That seems your postal. Your, there's more post offices in L.A. than there are parcel lockers. I don't understand. Anyway, I didn't go to the National Postal Forum. I've never been to one. 
Uh, so, you know, I don't want to be too hard on them. Robert Dixon and Fernando Mello uh, hosted sessions highlighting the success of informed delivery again in the mail and digital space. Uh, <laughs> with informed delivery, you have imp a unique opportunity to hand to enhance the impact of the message. And, you know, the advertisers I've talked to who try to put their their uh, clickable link for color, it's all free, um, said it's it's almost impossible to do. Um, and and some have mentioned the benefit, uh, like printers will mention the benefit of, of Mail 2.0, Direct Mail 2.0, just in how it interfaces with, uh, with uh, informed delivery. Okay, so, and then he said it results in a 27% response rate. My guess is that means a click on the ad, not a an order. I can't believe that. Everybody would be doing it. Um, that's just that's just where the Postal Service doesn't understand the language of direct mail, I would say, but tries to speak the language of digital, which, in my opinion, is fraudulent. Okay, so uh, that's enough for that. Um, oh, one more thing. Trish Witkowski's Fold of the Week series, she does videos on, on mailing pieces, with Ryan Lefevre, she did. She talked about the f the Fovelope. I like the name. Produced by SBC, that's uh, Specialty Print Communications. And she said during the pandemic, it became challenging to source envelopes, so marketers and their print providers had to get creative. The results are that they have been perfected. So I'm going to dig into that one a little bit and find out more about what they've done to improve those fake envelopes you know usually i've seen them recently where the only difference really is the straight fold over you know the gum the gummed seal instead of a, a triangular one and otherwise they look like envelopes so anyway i've got another article about design and direct mail but i'm going to pass on that because we've gone over time so have a great day like and share Especially share, especially comment. Your friends will know you're smart.